Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. So this is a very serious topic. Not something that I take lightly. I'm, I'm really, I'm getting into more of the brutal honesty mode in my monologues, especially as we prepare to to move to our partnership with with Urban One. We're talking to we're talking to affiliates around the country. I, I think if this thing goes well with Urban One, we're going to be on in 15 markets next year. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the business model, excited about the people that I'm partnering with, people that I'm building this network with. But I'm getting into I'm getting into my bag. I'm getting more comfortable discussing some of the hard topics. So when you hear me criticize Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and say, hey, I love you. You're great. I think you're great nine, nine times out of 10. But the but the 10th where I criticize you doesn't mean that I'm a hater of black women or I'm jealous of your success trying to tear you down. It's my job as a journalist to do both sides. If you don't cover both sides as a journalist, then you're Don Lemon or Chris Como or on the other side, you're Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or Laura Ingram. I cover both sides. There are things that I love about the Obamas. Also brought up that, hey, Michelle Obama, when she was doing her tour before COVID hit, she's charging all of these African-American young women that look up to her as they should because Michelle, Michelle, oh, to me, is the goat. You want to talk about goats. She's the goat goat. Brady, Jordan, those people look up to Michelle Obama. They, 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 they aspire to be like Michelle Obama when they grow up. But she's charging people 700 bucks. I don't know how that helps some of the African-American young women who adore you. You got your chance and you're getting rich just like everybody else. Barack Obama said, how much is enough? His house in Martha's Vineyard seems like more than enough. Does I have a right to bring that up? Doesn't mean that I hate Obama's. I'm glad that he's making his money. But people, people... In my experience, they'll tell you what to do with your time and energy, what you should support. But when it's their time to get rich, their time to get famous, their time to profit, they do what they want to do. That's capitalism. So there's this narrative that is running, and I try to look into both sides. I don't do softball questions. I don't give anyone a free pass. I don't give myself a free pass. There are times in my life I talk about myself on the on this show, on this platform, all the time about when I was a healthcare executive, I had to learn about emotional intelligence, how to work with people. I wasn't great at it. It was a serious barrier to my leadership skills in accomplishing the goals that the organizations that hired me paid me to do. I had to learn about emotional intelligence. I didn't give two darns if you're going through a divorce. 
If your kid tore his knee up playing basketball, I don't care about that. I don't want to hear about that. Don't come to my office crying on my shoulder because you had a bad day. Or you have a relative that's going through an unfavorable diagnosis. That's not my problem. I'm not your counselor. I'm here to work. Go to your car. Cry about it. Go home if you need to. But if you're here, don't, don't work at 40 50% because you're going through something. That's not my problem. Why well, I had to learn that that's a bad attitude. That's a demotivator. So I had to learn to put my arms around people. Metaphorically, sometimes actual, actually, literally. And I was a better executive for it. And I'm able to share that when I'm doing public speaking engagements about, hey, I really sucked at this. I had to get better. So I want to talk about In the African-American community, there's this narrative, and I try to break the narrative. I was at one of my favorite restaurants recently. I saw a group of policemen there having lunch. I went out of my way to make sure. I went over there, and I said, hey, gentlemen, I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee. I've been here for just about a year. I want to thank you for your service to our local community. I appreciate you. There's this narrative that says, as a black man, I'm supposed to hate you. Because I think if you stop me at 10 p.m. Because I haven't updated the, the, the tag on my license, the sticker that says 2021, or I have a broken taillight or something, that that is going to end in a fatality for me. And although there are scumbags and reprehensible people that represent police forces around the country, there are scumbags and reprehensible people that are lawyers, teachers, doctors, firemen, mechanics, or hot dog vendors here in downtown Nashville where Paragon 7 Studios is. They're racist all over the place. I want to say that I appreciate your service. And if I could buy you a round of drinks, I'd love to buy you a round of drinks. I do that every time I see a group of policemen at a restaurant. I thank them. I go out of my way to thank them. We're very, uh, we're very, we're very quick to highlight policemen that brutalize us, that do terrible things to us, as we should be. But that's not, in my opinion, that's not the majority. There are a lot of, there are most of the policemen that I've interacted with have done, I've had great interactions with police. I've had police where I was stranded in a bad situation, voluntarily give me a ride home, make sure that I was straight, make sure that I didn't freeze on the side of the highway. And then I've also been profiled. I had a policeman in, in Tucson, Arizona, asked me if I had any guns in the car. And I said, well, I don't, but I'm in Arizona. It's legal for me to have guns in the car if I wanted to. So I've seen it from both ends of the spectrum. I look like black man, six feet and a half inch. Got to get the half inch in there. 250, 260 pounds. I'm the suspect. I'm the person that... If there's, a, if there's a police alarm, if there's an alarm that goes off and I start running in one direction and most of you listening start running in the other direction, I guarantee you the police probably going to chase me and not you because I look like the suspect. 
if I'm jogging around my neighborhood, I move into a neighborhood, I make sure I tell people, I say, hey, my name is James Lewis. New to the neighborhood, I like to jog. I like to run at night. Just letting you know. So you don't say the head is this 260-pound this black man running around with a pair of Jordans on. And next thing you know, I'm getting lit up. But I was reading on CNN about uh, this recent killing and shootings of, of police officers in Chicago. It, it kind of getting into to the article on CNN.com. It talks about three, three officers assigned to the department's community safety team were conducting a traffic stop on a vehicle with three occupants near the 63rd Street and South Bell Avenue around 9 p.m. Saturday night, just a couple of weeks ago. They were fired on. Officers returned fire. Two officers were struck in the exchange of gunfire. One of the offenders was hit and taken to a local hospital. The officers were rushed to the University of Chicago Medical Center, where one of them later identified as 29-year-old Ella French died. The other officer who has been with the department for six years in critical condition is fighting for his life. Mayor Lori Lightfoot declared Sunday a day of mourning in the city, requesting all flags be flown to half mass. Tragedy is stuck, uh, struck again, she said. We mourn the loss of a young officer. Weapon was recovered at the scene. All three occupants of the vehicle are in custody, are in custody, after police located the female suspect who initially was, was missing. Based on preliminary information, police believe it was a male passenger who opened fire on officers. The suspects don't have extensive criminal backgrounds. Police were interviewing the suspects throughout the week. None of them have yet to be charged. Officers were wearing body cameras and department was reviewing footage of the incident. The civilian office of police accountability is investigating the incident. Police said in a statement, officers involved will be placed on routine administrative duties for a period of 30 days. We've got to talk about this as the, at the, as the black community. I'm, I am, I am frustrated. I protested. I was there with the BLM crowd. I was in Phoenix. I went to the protests. I saw people rummaging through Scottsdale Mall. I hate when I see the, the murders of George Floyd by these scumbags and, and the murder of Breonna Taylor and the murder of Trayvon Martin and the murder of so many, so many names. It's, it's hard. Tamir Rice, it's, it's hard to count. That makes me sick to my stomach. These lives that are taken where police decide to be judge, jury, and executioner. It's disgusting. Botham Jean, who's not even, not even in a police situation, people say, well, well, if you're not doing a crime, you won't be in trouble. Well, Botham Jean's sitting at home eating ice cream. Somebody kicks in his door and shoots him. And what may be the sickest about Amber Geiger when she's on the phone, you hear that call. She doesn't care about him whatsoever. She says, I'm bleeped. My life is ruined. This guy's bleeding out in his living room. I don't care about him. My life is ruined. I'm not going to be able to go back to doing whatever I'm doing and living my life. We need to point that out. But we also need to point out our own. The senseless murders in some of our urban centers. 
And we need to support policemen and women who work these beats, who are in danger, who are the ones that aren't scumbags, and who are the ones that aren't racist, and who are the ones that aren't shooting people while they're fleeing from 30 feet away. So I'm not going to go full Blue Lives Matter, but I am going to agree with the, with the premise that Ella French's life counts. And being divided and buying into this narrative that the typical, I don't like using the words mainstream media, that's such a stupid Rush Limbaugh divisive comment. But we got to stop buying into the concept that you can't be anti-police brutality without hating the guts of policemen. Because I don't hate policemen. I hate police brutality. I hate to see black young men and women getting murdered and getting shot like target practice from 50 feet away. But I don't, I don't hate policemen. Policemen don't deserve to be shot at, to be firebombed, to have Molotov cocktails thrown through their houses. I'm not supporter of that either. You will never find light in the darkness of murder and hate. Light won't come out of that. When do we get to a day where we realize that people are people? There are policemen on one side. For the most part, they're trying to do their jobs. Lock the scumbags up. But those who are not scumbags, I'm not going to treat them like they're scumbags. The great Martin Luther King said, not about your color. Black, white, or in this case, blue, it's about the content of your character. And you can support your local police organization. And you can support your local beat cops. And you can support your local um, FOP, Fraternal Order of Police. And you can still fly the Black Lives Matter flag because those those are two different things. You can support what your local police are doing, and you could abhor the concepts of police brutality and look to clean that up. We have to work together as a community. And I want to, I want to have that conversation in the growing weeks, especially when we move to, to, to DC. I want to have that conversation. I want to have people on because what's the solution? Hatred is not the solution. Prison reform is the solution. Social determinants of health is the solution. Proper nutrition is a solution. Access to education is a solution. But I'm not, I'm, you're never going to get this from me that an eye for an eye, because we've seen people brutalized, that I'm going to support the criminals. It's not like, it's not like um, Queen and Slim that they're accused of, of, of killing a policeman. Now, in that, in that case, in the movie, they, it was either him or them. But it's not like Queen and Slim, I'm going to support the movement and get these people to Cuba. Because we have to come to a, a day in America where, where, where we, we find a way to live peacefully among another and understand that, that for the most part, public service, individuals, firemen, policemen, civil servants, politicians, all these people, are, they're trying to do their best for their community. There's some, there's some that are racist scumbags and pieces of trash. But that's not the norm. We can't normalize it. Hate against against everyone because they're quote unquote not on our team. Paragon Seven Studios. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. But at the same time, like I said, and me, you know, I'm 56 years old. Damn. James Lewis. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. It feels so good to be cared for. Back up now just a little more. The feeling someone's always there just to show how much they care. The feeling you're not alone. Now she's a part of your home with so much to protect each day. Caring goes a long, long way. Nationwide is on your side. This is your boy Rampage. First Lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. Learn more about group insurance benefits with Engagement Health. Call to speak to an advisor today at 832-219-5829. Tell them that the Flatbush King sent you. At Industrious, we don't want anything to get between you and your great day. That's why our private offices and suites come with everything you need to safely connect with your teammates in person or over Zoom, so you can make every day a great one. Go to industriousoffice.com. Enjoy a great day at Industrious on us when you book a tour at industriousoffice.com. Black women are fierce, brilliant, courageous, dope. Black women are making a difference, making history, and changing the world. I think about all of the black women who have showed up to fight for justice. We are starting to finally accept all the skills and talents a woman can bring to the table. Urban One, thank you. This one is so special. This is such a beautiful song. That is so beautiful. I it's always it's always great to get into college football season. And my guys, so if you ever if you ever been into Paragon Seven Studios, we're we are littered with paraphernalia from the Ohio State University. I'm an Ohio State homer. I'm I'm not ashamed about that. I, I have been queuing up this diatribe about the checkerboard orange and about how UT sucks, but we're we're going national. So nobody national is gonna care about UT football because they don't even know that UT football exists anymore but you have this dynamic where 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 the SEC who the SEC is the is by far the best conference in in college football and really the best conference across the board SEC they have a bigger pool of talent you have you have talent down in Mississippi and in Texas and in Louisiana and in Alabama 
You got athletes down there. They build different. They build different. It's it's the South. So you have you have people in the South. It's warm. People can train all year round. People can play sports all year round. So they play football all year round. Play basketball all year round. You have you have uh it's just a different culture. Especially for football in the north, it's a it's a different culture. People want it more. You don't have the big city franchises that you have in New York and Chicago and Philly and DC, Boston. There ain't nothing going on in Jackson, Mississippi. So you will have twenty thousand people go to a high school football game because there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else going. It's not like LA. Where if you're in LA, you'd be like, ah, oh, you can go to Rams game, you can go to Chargers game, but, but I could go to Venice Beach. I could go to Santa Barbara. I could go down to San Diego. I could hit Tijuana up. If I'm not worried about cartel hitting me. If you don't know about Hong Kong, Google, for those, if you're if you're a child, put your hand over your ears. But if you're an adult, Google Hong Kong club in Tijuana. You got things going on at, at, the, at the Hong Kong strip club in Tijuana that you will not see in the United States of America. So you have a lot of options. You don't have as many options if you're in Baton Rouge or Texarkana or some of these sundown towns. You don't have the same, you don't have the same options. So people, people want to, to play football and, and engage in sports. So reading from SI.com, according, I've talked about this. So I, I, preempted, I, I preempted my discussion on this because I wanted to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan last week and how Joe Biden really looked like he was in over his head last week. It was not, it was not, a, it was not a good day for, for the Biden household. People are talking about the 25th, calling him President 25. Not looking great for him. But I still, I still have been kind of thinking on this and, and letting it marinate. So this is retroactive, but according to reports, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 engaging in high-level discussions about an alliance. Recent talks have been centered around not just scheduling alliance, but also meeting in the middle on certain subjects. Per Pac-10 Commissioner George, these are names are tough. Kliakoff, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren, and ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips. They have been having conversations for several weeks. Based on the report, there's nothing to report at this specific time when the SEC agreed to add both Oklahoma and Texas to the conference. Big 12 shrunk. Big 12's done. Shrunk from 10 to 8 schools. Since then, subject of conversation has been what will their commissioner, Bob Bowlesby. There's some bad names for these guys. As of now, the Big 12 has been left in the dark as three other Power 5 conferences elect to move on with this process. It could lead to the collapse of the Big 12 altogether. Of course, it could lead to the collapse of the Big 12 altogether. Big 12 is a trash conference. Outside of Oklahoma and Texas, they don't have anything to, to, to bring to the table. See, my take on all of this stuff with this realignment is what do you bring to the table? So I'm looking at it from the, from the perspective of an Ohio State fan. 
I would love to see the Big 12, I mean, excuse me, the Big 10 and the ACC come together because then you have Clemson that's a dominant power and you have Ohio State that's a dominant power. You got two dominant powers. And iron sharpens iron. So you know that if you come out the Big 10 side of the bracket, you're going to have to go up against Clemson or Florida State when they get popping or the U when they get popping. You got three programs that are legitimate. You got Mac Brown in North Carolina, which could be a nice Cinderella every once in a while. Because from Ohio State, you get tired of beating up on Penn State, who's kind of good. But you beat Penn State five out of six times, and the sixth time, they only beat you because they block a couple of punts, and you throw a pick six. When's the last time Penn State beat Ohio State just straight up? We just line it up in the I formation, run it down your throat. Or we go four wide and cross you up past. When is the last time Penn State beat Ohio State without blocking three punts? Unless it's JT Barrett throwing picks at Iowa, it's almost impossible for Ohio State historically. I think coming up in the season, they got this first game in Minnesota. That's not going to be an easy game. Ohio State has new quarterback. They could take a step back this one year. This is one year that you might have a shot to get them. Not if you're in our Procuni College, but you might have a shot to get them if you're playing them in your backyard. But there's no competition for Ohio State. They beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing just a few years ago to win an, to, on their in route to a national championship. They beat them, I think, 34 to 20 two years ago or last year, and that was considered a failure. If they don't beat Wisconsin by five touchdowns, it's a failure. Michigan's only beaten Ohio State once in the last 20 years, I believe. I think you had the Terrell Pryor year, which was a throwaway year, and they beat them when Luke Fickle was the coach. So there's nothing in the Big Ten for Ohio State other than the TV contract and the branding. If they merge with the ACC, that brings in Duke and North Carolina for basketball. That brings in Miami. That brings in a lot of fertile recruiting ground in the South for Ohio State. And then you have Ohio State in Clemson fighting it out in the championship every year. Michigan and Clemson or Wisconsin and Florida State or Miami and Ohio State. I can live with that. I'm just saying that everything west of the Mississippi is garbage. Other than Oklahoma and Texas, which looked around, they said, man, we don't need, they pulled a, they pulled a David Ruffin on the Temptations. It's like, man, they should change the name to David Ruffin and the Temptations. I'm better than you, Otis. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Oklahoma State. And they decided to bounce. There's nothing on the West Coast that's worth anything except USC. I've been on the West Coast, covered West Coast college football. I've been to Autzen Stadium. I've been to UW games. It's nice. It's cute. There's a reason that Autzen Stadium only shoot only seats in Oregon. But they got God money, right? They got the Nike money. There's a reason that their stadium only seats 54,000 people. Because only 54,000 people want to see the Oregon Ducks play football. So my take on all of that. I do think the Big Ten and the ACC should merge. I think that that's a brilliant idea. The ACC schools are good. You got to be a good school to be ACC. North Carolina's a great school. Duke's a great school. Virginia's a great school. You have great schools there. You can't be dumb and be in the Big Ten. So that rules out some of these um, flower country schools. 
The Pac-12 has great schools, but they're bad programs. They're bad at football. They're bad at basketball, and they're bad at baseball. And there's only one really TV market that matters, which is L.A. And USC plays in the ghetto, like next to the Minister Society filming in the Boys in the Hood. Like that's that's the Coliseum area, and nobody cares because it's California and there's better stuff to do. So that that would be my advice is that the ACC and Big Ten merge and, and go up against the SEC for global supremacy. But you don't, you don't need, you don't, you don't need the, the, the Big 12 is worthless. They're done. You would actually send Nebraska back to them. They can run the triple option. They're finished. They're basically Conference USA now. They can bring in Cincinnati and UCF and and all of these other schools but you're just putting you're just putting a new coat of paint on a car with no engine and the Pac-12 just as garbage if you're not Texas and Oklahoma and you're west of the Mississippi you're irrelevant and nobody cares that's the brutally honest truth but facts are facts Lance J show you are listening to the Lance J radio network AEP annual enrollment programs are launching in just a few months, and this is the perfect time to shop for the best insurance options for you and your loved ones. Learn more about individual and group insurance benefits with Engagement Health. Their diverse portfolio includes accident expense, specified disease plans, life insurance, and PPO plans. Engagement Health's licensed benefit advisors are just a phone call away to bring you optimal service in selecting affordable and unique benefit packages that meet your health care needs. Call Engage in Health today at 832-219-5829. That's 832-219-5829 and tell them that Lance J sent you.